time uh, and a shout out to Lisa Thiel uh, today's artist uh, and that uh, that snippet is from her cut called Song to Inanna well I hope uh, you are all enjoying the holiday season and um, aren't letting yourself um, uh, descend into madness uh, with all the consumerism out there uh, maybe you found a way to uh, take the holiday and make it your own uh, rather than um, you know kind of being uh, you know dancing on the string of uh, uh, corporations who want us to just go spend 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 uh, this uh, this holiday uh, and instead maybe you're doing something a little bit more intimate and meaningful than than spending money. <laughs> but that's just my two cents. Uh, you know, that's kind of my uh, pet peeve. I, I uh, hate how the holidays have become so, um, you know, all about consumerism and, um, you know, and, and commercialized. Um, but uh, if you are listening this morning, uh, you are in luck because um, today is the first show we are having to uh, talk about uh, my new anthology that has just come out. Uh, it uh, we did a soft launch uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, and now we're going to be doing a little bit more promotion uh, this month in December to get the word out about uh, my third anthology, which is uh, the third in the Manifesting a New Normal series, uh, is what I call it. The title is called uh, Awaken the Feminine: Dismantling Domination to Restore Balance on Mother earth and um, uh, Wim Bonus is uh, with us this morning uh, he's calling in from the Netherlands and uh, he's the first of the contributors to Awaken the Feminine that uh, I'm going to be talking to uh, and I'll be doing that uh, you know in the coming weeks uh, we're going to be discussing his essay titled In the Beginning Was the Landscape and uh, also talk about goddess heritage as the alternative uh, to Western institutionalized religion and uh, conventional materialistic uh, science. Uh, Wim will tell us about his journey discovering goddess, uh, leading him to writing a book about the survival and revival of the great she, as I like to call her, and he'll no doubt share his wisdom about why exactly men need goddess, which might come as a surprise to some, though um, not this radio show host. So uh, thank you for tuning in at this special time this morning. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, Awaken the Feminine. Uh, dismantling Domination to Restore Balance on Mother Earth. Yes, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, it's available on Amazon uh, for the holidays. Uh, you also can get it from uh, many of the contributors and, uh, and myself as well. So please think about that uh, if uh, you are looking to give uh, something meaningful to uh, friends or family um, you know, to help us um, manifest a new normal and create a better world. So um, without uh, further delay, let me uh, tell you a little bit more about Wim, and uh, then we're going to start our chat. Um, Wim's interest in goddess culture goes back a long time, back to the end of the 1980s when he first visited Ireland. Uh, he first developed a deep interest in Celtic culture and mythology, but gradually this shifted to a growing interest in goddess culture. 
He started writing articles about aspects that, to his mind, had been neglected, uh, like about the many goddesses that had been worshipped in his native Netherlands uh, in the Roman era, including, and I've never heard this goddess's name before, so I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but we'll have him correct me uh, later, Uh, Nehelenia maybe. Uh, It wasn't until uh, 2007 that he decided to write a book about the survival and revival of the goddess heritage, a subject uh, that in his view had not yet been researched systematically. He basically wanted to know how the ancient goddess heritage connected to uh, its modern revival to map whatever happened in between uh, in its long period of suppression and on to the first signs of revival. It turned out to be a much larger task than he initially had expected. He finished the Dutch version of the book seven years later in 2014, had it printed privately, uh, and uh, in his way, has found a gradually expanding circle of readers uh, because some of his readers suggested that the subject of the book was also interesting for foreign readers, and uh, 2015 and 2016 he's been working on an English translation of the book, which he finished last year, and for which he's uh, still searching for a publisher. So, um, you know, anyone out there who uh, knows of a publisher that might be looking for something like this, uh, please give us a shout. Um, he lives uh, with his Irish partner and daughter uh, in uh, Leiden, the Netherlands, and hopefully I'm saying that name correctly too. Uh, since 2018, he has his own website, um, which is eng.wimbonis.nl backslash. And uh, there you can read more about his book and uh, his articles and his blogs. So, Wim, uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Yeah, welcome as well. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you for having me. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm so glad to uh, have you on this morning, and uh, well, it's morning here in California, anyway, and, uh, and and it's been my great pleasure to come to know you over the uh, the months and years it uh, took us to get this book uh, out there in the world, and I'm so happy that uh, uh, that you also. Um, you know, or a contributor uh, to the book. Uh, you know, thank you for, for that er- effort because I know it took us took us a while to uh, to actually birth it out there in the world. Well, it's good to test our patience, you know, like I said uh, to you before. <laughs> Well, that's that's a that's a very kind way to put it. Um, uh, you know, it, I, I'm I'm not um, I don't feel sorry to say publicly to listeners that uh, anthologies often do have a difficult time uh, finding a publisher. Uh, you would think not, because instead of having one author promoting the book, you actually maybe have ten or twenty or thirty uh, authors promoting the book. But uh, there's this prejudice out there in the publishing world against anthology. And uh, we had a contract a few times with a few different publishers, but uh, um, the publishers had difficulty and uh, had to stop publishing or something or another happened. And I I, I like to think, I guess it was meant to be that uh, we published it ourselves as we did, and uh, that way we had a lot more control over it, and maybe this is how it was meant to be all along. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite amazed uh, that uh, after you know, a few years that uh, the messages haven't aged at all, actually, uh, you know, also my own message. Uh, very, but, uh, yes, yes, very. it's very true. I mean, this information is not a uh, flash-in-the-pan uh, kind of information. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's still relevant. It's enduring. Uh, I think all the messages from all the contributors, including yourself, uh, it's important uh, that we have it out there because, uh, you know, we we are just, uh, you know attempting to change how people think with these thoughts, and change doesn't happen quickly, uh, and so it needs to be out there for a while, you know, uh, in order for people to find it, and I think mull over it, and um, you know maybe figure out how they can incorporate it into their lives and see how these ideas might establish themselves, um, you know, in society. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a long-term goal, I guess, is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, yeah, I know. I know I've been involved now uh, for a few years. I was involved, you know, with the Pan-Sophia. You, you, um, you heard that through Anne van, van der Meer. And you talked to 
uh, I think a few months ago, and uh, her organization tried try to uh, get more attention for the divine feminine in the Netherlands. And uh, it is, uh, you know, it is quite hard to uh, to uh, to expand the, you know, the the field, you know, to to get more people interested. But yes, but still, yes. Uh, well. Well, and, and I wonder too, women, and, and, and forgive my ignorance on this, um, but uh, I, I don't know that much about the spirituality of the Netherlands. Um, I, I, I imagine, and this could be totally an error, I imagine that, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's, you know it, it's maybe not so much uh, a place where re- religion dominates, you know. Um, is, it, it, could that be part of the problem, or am I mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, about that. That, it is true. There is really a, uh, a big revival in spirituality. You know, the, the, the religion has declined, I think. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, well, they say sometimes uh, that they believe in something when, when they don't actually know what they believe in, but they think there is something more, you know, than just the material world, you know, something vague. But, um, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of... Uh, uh, there's also a lot of Buddhism, of course, in the Netherlands. You know, that uh, has arisen mm-hmm. in many places. Actually, the uh, United States was a big inspirator, I think, uh, to uh, spreading Buddhism in the West. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, well, uh, you know, you say in your biography that your interest in goddess goes back a long time. Um, so, yeah. when did you get interested in it, and um, what was yeah, the reason? Yeah, I tried to think back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when did it actually start? It was kind of a gradual uh, development, you know. Like when I when I visited Ireland a lot, I of course I saw all these beautiful landscapes, old uh, you know stone circles, and you know visited many places. And I read a lot about uh, Celtology. And um, uh, the more I read, actually, I came also across these goddesses, of course, and uh, and I also found out that. Uh, uh, Ireland itself, you know, also was uh, the country itself had a, was imagined as a goddess, you know, like Era or or Banba, you know, all these these old names, and uh, yeah, I, I gradually gradually shifted. I I, I can't really um, uh, remember. It sort of went gradually. I think I have a huge collection of Celtic study books here as well, but. Uh, I think my my collection of goddess books is now bigger. The famous books as well, but Gin uh, uh, and uh, you know, like I think Gin Butas was one of the first ones I got. Uh, into, I, 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 yeah. I started, to, and that was years ago. <laughs> and I, I I remember um, in the 1990s there was something something especially happening. I was living at the time in Rotterdam, and um, in Rotterdam there was, they were going to build a museum for the human body, and the entrance was going to be a statue of Nikki de saint Fal. Did you ever hear of her? No. Nikki de saint Fal. She, 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 she's kind of a French um, artist, and she made all these beautiful, big Nana statues, and these big Big women, pregnant women. She made many other things as well, you know. But these were very quite famous. And the entrance was going to be um, one of those statues, a huge statue, 30 meters high. And I, I saw it in the paper, and I uh, and there was nothing, no mention of any goddess uh, relation. So I I wrote an article because I had read Bumbutas and Adrian Eisler. I read many of the books and. So I, I put it a bit into context, and and the organizers were really amazed. You know, they had never thought of that. You know, the the sad thing is that the museum never was realized. You know, it was probably yeah. a financial thing. I think in the end that it yeah. uh, that it never never well, you know, was I, realized. But but that was in the 1990s, and I, I have this article still. It's on my Dutch website, actually. Maybe I translate it one day into English, just to make it yeah, yeah available. Yeah. Well, well, that the, that goddess that you mentioned it never, it never, it was never realized, but but 
it, it was supposed to be very spectacular. And that was in the, okay. the end of the 90s, so it goes back that long way. Yeah. So you've you've been you've been um, this has been in your psyche for quite a while. Um, well, and you mentioned um, this goddess in your bio, N E H A L E N N I A. How do you yeah, pronounce Nihalenia. that correctly? You, you pronounce it Nihalenia. In the Roman age, that was a few years later, all right. Um, um, I got I developed an interest in also in my own country in reading about prehistory and and in in the Netherlands the focus on the history you know the golden age and you know the, uh, we were very historical minded but uh, there's also a few finds from the Roman age important finds and one of them is the goddess Nehalenia and she uh, well she had two temples in the, yeah, the on the coast. In the, uh, the south of the Netherlands, you probably can't picture it, but on the coast, and it was a big trading, two trading posts for uh, traders to to to, to uh, uh, go uh, to to take that trade to England across the sea, and they mm -hmm. had uh, they erected a statue if that had passed their trip in a safe way, and in this. Uh, in, in these temples, well, on these temples were many statues. One of them uh, was rediscovered in 1647, I think. Um, and then there was a big storm there, and these statues became visible. There were good, good few, good few of them. But only so, are there pictures of, uh, of of her image or her symbols or uh, Nihilinia? I mean, if we Googled it, would we be able to see um, uh, images of her? Oh, uh, he his call has dropped, so we will have to see um, if he can call back in. We'll give him a few minutes because uh, he uh, must have. Something happened, but he'll, like I said, he's calling in from the Netherlands. I'm sure he will uh, call back. And uh, and while we're waiting for him to call back, I will tell you a little bit more about Awaken the Feminine, the new anthology. Uh, this is the synopsis um, uh, on Back the Book. It uh, it reads this like this. Uh, Hidden for a time, but always with us, the feminine is making her claim debut as humanity's salvation. For years, the great she has become more and more integrated into and finally, in this, our 11th hour, she is being recognized as the alternative to patriarchal insanity. As more people feel under siege from corporate domination, as bastions of authority crumble across the globe as environmental challenges threaten our future and security, people are looking for new answers to reshape society. They've come to realize the hallmarks of the sacred feminine, deity, archetype, and ideal offer a new path and level playing field. They hear her clarions call and turn to their heart wisdom and intuition, ideals of partnership, inclusivity, compassion, and negotiation to nurture healthy interconnections. They reject domination and exploitation and the shallowness of consumerism for personal development and the art of being. We can all be a part of this grand awakening as people near and far turn to aspects of goddess for solutions and sanctuary and awaken the feminine, dismantling domination to restore balance on Mother Earth. We glean from the shared wisdom of these collective way-showers how the teachings of the Great Mother is our saving grace, helping us transform ourselves and our world into a more sustainable future of prosperity, peace, equality, and joy. And um, the contributors, uh, women and men, include uh, Carolina Amore, Jeanette Blonigan-Clancy, Wim Bonus, who uh, we're hoping calls right back in, <laughs> uh, Stacy Bourne from her church up in San Francisco, uh, David Chandler, who has a provocative essay in here uh, about 9-11, uh, uh, Sam Daly Harris, uh, Isadora Forrest, Patricia Gallett, uh, Heidi Gottner Abendros, uh, Shelley Goodfriend, Donna Hennis, Deanna Lamb, Lisa Lavart, uh, Heather Mendel, Ilarian Merculloff, um, uh, Mary Petit, Oksana uh, Pobrengia, uh, Lauren Rain, 
uh, Ariska Resnack, Paul Reed Bowen, Libby Roderick, Joanna Silverwich, Medina, uh, Sandy Sariel Spencer, Marilyn Steele, Tanishka, myself, Lauren Time, uh, Vajrama, Preston Coyote Vargas, and Heaven Walker. Uh, yes, those are all the contributors to um, Awaken the Feminine. And I see that uh, Wim is back with us, so let me go back into the call with him and we'll continue our conversation. Yeah. Hello, here I am again. Uh, I don't know hi. my phone just <laughs> fell out. You know, suddenly there was no okay. sound, so I don't know. I don't know. To, well, to I, you, you, have you did the right thing. Yeah, you did the right yeah, thing. I, you I, called back. So we. We were talking about Nihilinia, uh, and I was yeah. asking you, uh, is, she, is she a Nordic goddess or a, a Roman she's, goddess? Uh, well, she's, they, 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 some people say she was Germanic, you know, but the other researchers say she was more Celtic, you know. She was really, she, she was, was really on the coast of, uh, of Europe, uh, the very edge. And the Netherlands has Germanic and Celtic influence, both, both. But... One, okay. one interesting thing is that she was an in, indigenous goddess. So uh, she, her, you can look if you look on the internet, you can probably find images of her. You know, they're all over the internet. So. Okay. Okay. Um, well, with the title of uh, title of your article uh, in the in the anthology "Awaken the Feminine," uh, it, you know, the title is in the beginning was the landscape. You obviously refer to uh, the famous words from the Bible: "In the beginning was the yeah. Word." Uh, it, in what sense do you take um, a stance against the biblical view of life? Yeah. Well. It- I, I actually, yeah, I, I started with, the, I took that, chose that title, the, because uh, the Bible, the word in the Bible has become so prominent, especially the written word. And uh, I know people might, you know, people sometimes explain that the word is, you know, vibration, you know, it's not really a written word. But um, I think, I think, yeah, the. It, uh, before there were words, there were images, you know, where people were just uh, living life, you know, Symbols. Embedded, life around them. So, and, uh, yeah, and what, one thing, one way to be embedded uh, in life is, 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 is in the landscape. Because the la- landscape is and everywhere, everywhere around us. Yeah. So, so, so I think what you're getting at is, um, instead of in the beginning was the word, the landscape was there, or symbols were there way before the word was ever, uh, the, you know, way, way, it, uh, you know, it was a precursor to the word. Exactly. Yeah, and we can still experience it today. You know, like uh, one of the in the article, I give one of the examples of the west coast of Ireland, you know, where in County Sligo, where I was at this prehistoric place where where there was a, um, many stone circles, also, well, different things. It's a whole field, and but it's light hill overlooking uh, a valley, and at the time I was there, there was an archaeologist giving me some explanations. On the mountains in the distance, there were also megaliths, and that there was proof that uh, fires were lighted on these hills, so from that place you could be connected to the whole environment. In fact, the whole environment was uh, part of a ritual landscape. Yeah, say it was all sacred. Well, you know, this idea of the goddess as the landscape um, is something um, that I'm familiar with. You know, when I first got involved in goddess spirituality myself, um, you know, we thought of goddess, you know, not just as, you know, archetypes or a deity in the heavens, uh, but yeah. we saw her as the earth. And, uh, you know, the mountains were her body and the rivers were her blood and, uh, you know, the caves and things like that, you know, were also, you know, sacred parts of of her as well, you know, maybe her the womb, uh, you know, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it, there was a sense of, um, I, I mean, I, I, I even now, and I think we could even think back then, it's easy to imagine um, that you felt surrounded and uh, embraced uh, by her, 
Um, if you lived in a valley, for instance, surrounded by mountains, yeah. you know, you could see see that as being in her arms. Yeah, I also became aware that uh, I all, I had visited many stone circles before, you know, but 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 I started realizing that these circles and all these you know features in the landscape were not the most important thing. Like they were just marks, uh, and uh, I think I, I refer in my article also to uh, an author, Terence Meaden, I came across quite recently actually, um, who found out that places like Stonehenge were, you know, so related to to uh, the sun and the well, the sun and and the, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the rays of the sun. I would say rays of the sun. There's a heel stone there, and a certain time, I think around midsummer, there's a light falling on the heel stone, and actually makes a kind of a phallic shape into the into the circle, creating a kind of a marriage of of the the mask the, the the masculine, and so also, well, this this famous uh, circle um, expresses a connection to the whole landscape around. And uh, well, you know also the books I suppose by Michael James. You you read those I suppose. You know about uh, mm-hmm. Avery, and uh, they're quite mm-hmm. famous. You know when it comes down to uh, the, uh, landscape ritual landscapes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I you know, you're so lucky there over in Europe to be surrounded uh by so much of this. And you know, I was fortunate enough, you know, when I was doing my travels in the 90s, my husband and I we we took sacred tours. Uh we first we traveled ourselves and then we were we were so moved uh, you know, by standing in these sacred sites, being in these sacred landscapes yeah. that we started taking groups of people back to see them uh because it's uh it it it's it's you know it's it's pretty incredible um it, it, but here in the United States you know it i i mean uh i don't know i guess you could say you know we don't have any of the stone circles you know we do have some you know wonderful wonderful landscapes but we don't have those ancient archaeological sites and that's um unfortunate is that i think i saw recently a book you know that uh, they're discovering more and more. Uh, well, I'm, I don't know. I haven't read this book now, you know. But uh, the, uh, I get the idea that uh, a lot of it is not discovered yet. You know that uh, the mm-hmm. Native American heritage, you know, uh, might be for you know, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of new discoveries. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Been, I, well, I, or my, my only visit, my only visit to the United States was actually to New York, you know. So. <laughs> well, but but there you had the you know the great contemporary political goddess, uh, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, you know, uh, which I we, think is amazing. Yeah, we, you know, I, I did visit it. I was a tourist there. You know, I had to see it yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. I've been twice to New York, so but uh, I only got to well, you know, the Statue of Liberty second time. Sorry? When I uh, when I wrote my book Sacred Places of Goddess, you know, um, I was trying to determine what United States sites I would list in there. Uh, so I did, you know, I, I did do, you know, take a little bit of creative license, you know, and like for instance the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, it's got so many different ecosystems, and here you have the sacred landscape as well. You know, you have these in, incredible mountains, and uh, uh, you know, and, and, and of course the, you know, the river runs through it, and uh, it, you know, it, it's sort of a microcosm of, of the of the macrocosm, you know, so to speak. You know, everything right there, and uh, you know, with, with I think there's seven ecosystems actually exist in the Grand Canyon but um it, 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 but I have to admit you know I I I don't just me personally I don't think the United States uh is anywhere near as uh um impressive uh with with the ancient sites as is Europe you know yeah, I, I mean um I mean, and you guys are so lucky. You can just hop on a yeah. plane, and in an hour, uh, you know, you yeah. can end up in some, uh, you know, some yeah. great site. You know, and we have to cross, even, you know, an eight-hour you know, eight flight. Yeah, but even within Europe, no. there's a lot, of, a lot of difference. Like the Netherlands is, yeah, is not that rich. You know, I, 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 I 
mentioned Nehalenia, you know, and there's there's some well some other interesting finds, but there's nothing compared to you know if you go to to France or to Italy and and indeed Ireland, mm-hmm. England, you know, these, these countries are yeah much richer in that. So- so, Wim, why do you think, um, I, I mean, the Vikings, I mean, the, the Vikings, um, you know, had these wonderful Nordic goddesses and gods. Um, why, do, you know, did, did nothing uh, remain because maybe they, they didn't build in stone? I mean, did they were, did they make effigies of the gods and goddesses in, in wood, perhaps? I, I mean, know, why is there nothing? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was asking oh, yeah. why is you know why why yeah. do we not find the kind of temples in the Netherlands that we find in other parts of Europe? Do you think? Yeah, well, the Netherlands is uh, a country that's uh, first is kind of one big river delta. Eh? There's kind of the Rhine, there's the Maas, there's, there's uh, it is a very flat country as you know, you know as well, and um, uh, very fertile as well. So a lot of the earth, especially in the west, has been changed the landscape has been changed again and again so so uh, well for for an, for for a real sacred appeal of the landscape you need ancientity in a landscape um, so that's why I, I'm, I'm saying that when I started visiting Ireland I, I saw another landscape before that England you know I've, I've been to England good well you know and uh, I saw these nice hills you know and 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 uh, you don't have them in, in the Netherlands, and uh, and uh, yeah, it made me more aware of the power of the landscape. So, but it is mm-hmm. important to find it in your home. That's probably what you find as well over there. Like, there's no point in actually, uh, uh, yeah, sort of projecting it far away. You know, like you have to, you have to be yeah, involved in fully in the life that you're living. So I'm yeah, find it where you live. In the Netherlands yeah. as well, and. So I write, also write about my hometown, you know, anything, you know, anything I come across, anything that can root me more, you know, in the place that I'm living. Because the place yeah. I'm living here is a very nice town, you know, like, uh, I suppose you've never been there, but it's kind of like a small Amsterdam, you know, it's a very pretty town with canals, very natural, kind of an organic feel uh, to it, you know. Okay. Different, so anyway, let me uh, let's, okay so let's um so um let let's talk a little bit about uh the landscape uh and its primal importance uh, you believe that um i i i uh, i think i understand in your in your view our relationship with the landscape is of primal importance to get us through the current crises um why don't you yeah, speak to that a little bit i i call it, i call it yeah, the third option because, um, well, I think it, it's quite, you know, global, you know, these discussions, at least in the West, when, whenever there's discussions in the media, there's always kind of the Christian or, you know, like in any way the conventional uh, religious view and uh, uh, battling, you know, with the, with the scientific view still, you know, the, the conventional scientific view. Um, either the scientists battling the the, the religion, the religious people, or the other way around, and and I think this the, the, what I call the goddess heritage is is sort of completely you know passed by, you know, that it's not uh, coming into the discussion at all, and the, the, the impression is made that uh, that everything you know, the discussion, the whole the whole spectrum, that's, what I, that's the way I call it, you know, that they actually. Uh, but there's nothing left out, you know. Whereas, yeah, I I become more and more aware that actually the most important thing that actually passed by, you know, which is the goddess heritage, going back to yeah, as long as we can can remember, I suppose, you know. That's why mm-hmm. I yeah. also um, bring in this very difficult word, the kind of the, the non-anthropomorphic, you know, I, the non-anthropomorphic. Uh, or of the goddess that the, the, the goddess we've seen in the museums many of these statues of the goddess, goddesses but well, um, my experience with landscapes you know and has made has made has made me aware that that uh, 
that there actually was, um, that there is actually, not only was, but is a time when the, the, the goddess was not yet represented as a statue. Uh, mm -hmm. We were living in a very yeah. materialistic culture, and, and, and also the goddesses, we, we, we've seen, when we can touch them, you know, we, we, we've seen, we see a statue, but we don't always realize that they're actually icons and not idols, you know, that, we, that they're actually intermediaries, eh? So, so I think I think what you're saying, Wim. If if um, let, let me say back to you what I what I think you're saying, is that um, you know maybe we can uh, reclaim the sacredness of the landscape and thereby save the planet um, if we started once again um, seeing the landscape as the as goddess or as uh, as sacred as we once did long before, uh, you know, we saw goddess as a as a um, a statue in a temple, for instance. Yeah, I think that these statue, uh, the finds of these statues are very important. You know, uh, they have made us aware. You know, I visited so many museums and and uh, always, you know, the oldest periods. You saw, uh, if you go all over Europe, you find these these. Uh, in the archaeological museums, always the oldest periods are feminine statues. Um, so they, you know, they are important to make us aware. But uh, I've come, I've started to realize more and more that the, that that, that they are um, referring to something else. You know, they are an expression of of uh, yeah, people people who felt completely embedded in life itself. I also bring in my book, you know, the difference between an outdoor spirituality and an indoor religion. I think that's kind of important as well. You know, in the old days, mm -hmm. uh, people lived mainly outdoors, and that's why they felt so intimately to the place, the natural place where they were living. And, uh, well, they were connected we, to the land, moved. you know. And Sorry? Sorry? It well, they were connected to the land. You know, they couldn't go to the corner grocery store to buy their food. You know, they had to be connected to the seasons and, uh, you know, the life cycle of of uh, their animals. You know, once we had animal husbandry, um, I mean, it it was a it was a different way of life. I think that um, kind of encouraged uh, more of a connection to. Uh, you know, to to the sacred landscape, don't you think? I mean, we've just become detached from it because, yeah, you know, yeah. unless you're a farmer, you know, and, and yeah. unless you're a farmer, you're 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 really. I think that's what you're talking about when you say, you know, the indoor religion versus the outdoor spirituality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so many writers that uh, well, I, my book is packed with them. You know, like uh, I found so many writers who who uh, say very interesting things about this. And the most recent writer, well, I also take him up in the article, is, is Steve Taylor. He's an Englishman, and he's written his book, The Fall, you know, and, and uh, yeah, a bit in line with Maria Gimbutas, you know, he, he, uh, but with a different emphasis, you know. He, he uh, um, thinks the big transformation society came because, uh, came about because of the rise of the ego and... and um, that's not really the emphasis Maria Gimbutas ha is, uh, has, but um, but uh, he he's a psychologist, you know, so probably you know that, that yeah. also is, is of influence, you know, to, to his uh, way of looking at it. But uh, it is a very interesting uh, idea that the, the ego is not that old; uh, it's six thousand years old. Okay, potentially it was always there, you know, in our in, in our makeup. But they reckon that there were um, kind of catastrophes, you know, catastrophes, uh, the desertification, I think they call it, you know, uh, um, that happened there in the Middle East, in these areas, and that caused, you know, the the the, yeah, the rise of but also the prominence of the male of the species because he was, mm -hmm. I suppose, stronger and the, the ego right. has, has always been a bit well, more uh, masculine thing anyway. Huh? 
Right, right. Um, well, let me ask you about, um, I, I don't think we've covered this yet, um, it, you know, maybe peripherally, but not directly. Um, you prefer the term goddess heritage versus goddess worship. Um, do you want to explain the difference and tell us uh, why you prefer goddess heritage to goddess worship? Yeah, because I, well, actually, that was uh, when I was writing my book, you know, I was uh, trying to, uh, um, cover this whole period from the, the ancient past all the way up to the present, like the goddess spirituality, and you know, the, in our time. And when I started the goddess worship, I don't know, I, I found that that my topic was too narrow. It was too narrow. And, uh, when I expanded it to goddess heritage, which is actually kind of the, just the basically the experience, the spiritual experience of being completely embedded in in life that's well one thing yeah a way to see it anyway um that's that uh, yeah it's hard to hard to describe but uh, I, I wrote a book of five pages about it eh? so i just tried to uh, try to get get down to it but um okay uh, well, yeah, well, I think you believe you believe that the goddess heritage has been devalued in our culture, but it's um, but but you think we can still access it? Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, we can. That's also involving the the the, the sacred landscape that we earlier, which is actually yeah, maybe it's just another word for. The sacred landscape or the goddess heritage, you know, it's, uh, okay, there are different words, but they're so closely related. Uh, it's still present all around us. Uh, uh, I, I always find, find it strange to, um, uh, to, to, to uh, think about things and, and feel that, that, uh, that, that uh, sort of looking outside into an issue, you know, like uh, the the, the thing with the goddess heritage is we're always included into everything. That's uh, uh, we can never stand outside something because we're always included. We're in we're part of Mother Earth. We're actually in the Earth because um, the, we have the, the the atmosphere and everything, and we breathe the air. We're always in the midst of it, and so we can never stand outside it. And that sort of experience is still there. You know, it's a kind of an ecological. Mm-hmm ecological um, thing uh, uh, contrasted to maybe an eco uh, an ego an ego way of looking at life an ego looks at life from the outside whereas ecologically you know you're always fully embedded in in life so you can never stand outside it this is very uh, let's say it's you could say, you know, if you look at it like that, you can never write a book anymore, you know, because you're always, you, know, you pick out a subject and you look at it, at it from, from from the outside. You know? But uh, okay. it is very important to have that experience to always make you more humble, you know, to, I think, yeah, yeah. it's a very humbling experience. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, well, listen, we're going to take a break. Um, I have a word from Joe Carson here um, I uh, you know, want to share with listeners. And when we come back, um, I want to hear about uh, goddess heritage and men. And, um, you know, your concept of the, the matrix, uh, or womb uh, that plays such an important role in your article. So uh, when we come back, we'll talk about those two things, okay? Okay. Okay, hang on. I'll be okay, right back. Okay. I'll the psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected. They were together. But there wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. Sex is sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, 
fun, happy sex. Well, you've been listening to one of the trailers uh, for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film, in it she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, the return of goddesses Gaia. Uh, she covers a lot of information, and she's also traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot the film, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, these spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affect the origin of Western culture. You know, if you've always wanted to see these places yourself, but uh, but you haven't gotten there, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones from your armchair and get their story. Uh, the DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini book, which goes even deeper into all of this material and all these very, you know, many aspects. Uh, you can buy the DVD and the booklet for only $20 at dancingwithgaia.com. Okay, so we're going to come back to um, Wim Bonus, uh, who is one of the contributors to uh, the new anthology I have out called Awaken the Feminine, uh, Dismantling Domination to Restore Balance on Mother Earth. And um, uh, he has an essay in the book uh, titled, uh, In the Beginning Was the Landscape. And he talks about, uh, you know, goddess heritage as the alternative to Western uh, institutionalized religion or, um, you know, more uh, conventional materialism or, um, you know, materialistic science. Um, so uh, we've been chatting here for the last 45 minutes, but uh, before I let him go, uh, I want to hear a little bit more from him about uh, uh, goddess and the role, um, you know, men still play. Um, so, Wim, why don't you uh, talk a little bit about... Um, um, you know, while men still are a minority in this, um, you know, where do you think men fit in? Yeah, well, I think the goddess heritage is as, as important, you know, to, uh, to to men as to to women. And I'm very glad, actually, that in the in the in the book, you know, there's there's a few few contributors uh, now. So uh, about four, I think, uh, contribute contribute to the anthology. Was it five? I think. Uh, um, uh, I'd have to go back I, and count, actually. But uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of goddess anthologies out there that uh, it's usually always just women. You know, sometimes it's uh, sometimes yeah. it's difficult to find find men who want to make a contribution. That's true. Yeah. The, but the amazing thing is that I also in my book, you know, comes also. Uh, uh, I also discussed that, you know, that uh, there were a lot of men involved during uh, the centuries, you know, like, you know, of course, Johann Bachhoven, who actually uh, coined the word martyarchy in the 19th century, and then there was Robert Graves, you know, the poet, and, and I think uh, there was archaeologists as well, uh, E.L. James, and there was, uh, um, of course, Arthur Evans, you know, who was involved in uh, in uh, the discoveries in uh, in Crete and uh, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. but also uh, nowadays well I've seen in your bibliography also Tim Ward you know has written a book on uh, on his involvement in in uh, goddess the goddess heritage or goddess culture um, yeah but yeah I think men should not be um, uh, satisfied you know with uh, the way patriarchy. Uh, uh, Part, uh, not not be satisfied about patriarchy, let's say it like that. Right, right. You know, yeah. Today, well, we... you know, today there was a, the, the Nobel Prize for Peace. Did you hear about that? You know, it's uh, Dennis Mukwege. You know, he's kind of a, a Congo ge genealogist. You know, he's a man. You know, uh, he uh, is involved with uh, healing uh, raped women, and he's you know he's been mm -hmm. on Dutch television, and he's. Uh, He's, uh, he's a man, you know, and he is really involved with. Well, I would, it would maybe not the goddess, you know, but uh, but uh, you see more and more men getting so dissatisfied with the patriarchal ways, you know, and uh, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, and and I think that's why, in a way, I mean, I, I I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but um, you know, I, I mean, I've gotten trouble uh, from um, the more radical. 
you know, women in the goddess community because I am so inclusive of men. I mean, you look at my radio show, I have men on the show all the time, uh, purposefully because I feel like there are so many good men out there who are our allies who, like you say, you know, they're tired of what patriarchy is doing, humanity and the planet. They realize that, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this male-dominated world is not, you know, really leading us uh, in the right direction. And but I'm also quick to point out that, you know, I, I it, it's not the genitals, you know, it's a mindset because there's so many women who perpetuate patriarchy. I mean, even within yeah. the goddess community, I, I mean, I, again, you know, I'm outspoken and I am quick to say that, uh, yeah. you know, there are women in the goddess community who um, discriminate against men and I don't think they should. I think we need to take our allies where we can find them and, uh, you know, don't just assume because um, uh, a person person is a man that he's uh you know for patriarchy and because mm-hmm. they're a woman that they're not perpetuating patriarchy yeah. because oftentimes uh they are so it really is i think a state of mind and um and and i and i'm yep. glad that more men or men and women are talking about that yeah i can also imagine that some women uh, think uh, they're afraid that the men take over again, you know, that uh, yes. Yes. men get involved, you know, they want to be in lead. And uh, Well, actually, if I look at my own position, uh, I always work with women, you know. I, uh, I work in, in the university now as a secretary, and, and I, I, before, I, in libraries, you know, more or less uh, exclusively with women, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm kind of used to that role, you know, being part of a female community. And also, yeah. when I yeah. you know, when I went to the conferences of Anina uh, uh, van der Meer's uh, organization Pan Sophia, uh, men were invited as well, and I I, I I got to know a few men, but they're a huge minority, you know. There's only maybe yeah. five men and, and, and fifty women. You know? Yeah, and and that's that's unfortunate, and I don't really know how to overcome that. Um, I, I mean, maybe it's just a slow process. I mean, I was speaking to someone just yesterday about the um, the past Parliament of World Religions, and there were comments made that uh, because the previous one in Salt Lake City um, had been so pro-feminine, so pro-goddess, so many women involved, it was about you know protecting the earth and empowering women that there was this big backlash this time and it was and it was like they were it felt like the men in charge were trying to curtail that feminine voice and you know Mm. so it's like two steps forward one step back you know I mean you still have men who are intimidated by the idea of having to share power they're intimidated by the idea of partnership you know they want to hold on to that um, you know that place that they've enjoyed for so very long um, and um, it, but I think maybe it goes to what you said. I mean, because my husband is a lot. Sounds like he's a lot like you. You know, he's always worked around women, grew up with a lot of women, comfortable with women. Uh, like you said, you you know you work in that sort of environment too. I think when men have that advantage, they're you know they don't they kind of don't think twice about sharing the world with women yeah. and equality. It's just you know the men who have been in these little bastions of patriarchy where yeah. you know they grow up where the women have to be dominated or subservient and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a man's world and you know the glass ceiling is in place. You know they're the ones yeah. that I think um, a change is uh, a, a scary thing. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't planning to talk about politics, you know, but uh, but of course you see it around everywhere now, you know, this kind of backlash a bit, you know, like uh, uh, polarization and, and, well, here in Europe, you know, like uh, Brexit and, and, uh, and now in France, all these, you know, uh, and Turkey and probably the United States now with, with Donald Trump, you know, uh, and there's, uh, there's, the, the men are fighting back, you know. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they uh, you know, I guess it's only natural. I mean, did we think they were all going to just roll over and play dead because, you know, women yeah. want their peace? Um, you yeah. know, uh, it's, I guess it's, it's human nature, um, uh, you know, to... Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I guess it's human nature to want to hold on to what you have. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like there's the scarcity mentality. You know, that there's not enough for all of us. Um, you know, and oh, it, it, that's a that's a whole other big topic. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, yeah, Wim, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're uh, um, we're about out of time. Um, you know, again, I want to thank you for being a part of the anthology, uh, Awaken the Feminine, and I want to, um, you know, thank you for being out there in the world. You know, for being a staunch advocate, uh, you know, for the for the feminine. Um, but before I let you go, is um, there anything you'd like to to uh, mention that maybe I haven't thought to ask? Uh, oh, yeah, there's so many subjects uh, um, you could talk about, you know, but that's, uh, of course, not a bit senseless to bring that in in the end, you know, like, uh, but, um, yeah, I'm quite Yeah, believe hopeful. it or not, we've actually, we've actually been talking like, uh, for an hour. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually quite hopeful, because that's what my book, my bigger book, is about. That, uh, since the 19th century, there have been developments, you know, uh, they are very hopeful, you know, that uh, not only feminism has risen at the time, but all the, the the feminine statues have been found, you know, since the 19th century. And uh, you see the development in psychology and and uh, many other fields. Uh, even the newer science interests me as well, all the field theories, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, morphic fields and uh, akashic fields and... Uh, and uh, uh, there, there's so much happening, you know, and I think in some way, you know, it all points us in, in, in a hopeful direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is? I think there's a saying, something like, you know, the arc, uh, uh, the arc of uh, progress bends towards liberalism, you know, and uh, and I, I don't know. I, I guess I think that um, that's part of um, the rise of the feminine, you know, instead of the conservative idea of you know keeping women submissive and in their place and in service to uh, the patriarchy. Um, you know, it feels like to me that. Uh, you know that's part of it, and um, it, it's a slow it's a slow slog, um, but um, I think we're making progress and we're headed in the right direction. Even you know when on a day to day basis, it just feels like it's not happening quick enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And um, well, well, yeah, when, and um, how do uh, I, can, I, I, sorry? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just maybe I want to excuse myself a bit, you know, for my broken English, you know. <laughs> like. Uh, well, you know what? You you did a fine job, and. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And look, you know, um, uh, we appreciate that uh, that you're calling in from the Netherlands. You have a second language. I mean, here in the United States, most of us uh, don't. So you're so far ahead of uh, so far ahead of the game. You 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 did uh, you did really fine. And your writing is, um, you know, is very tight and concise. And uh, uh, anyone who would read your essay would uh, totally understand, uh, you know, what you're talking about. Um, um, so I, I want to thank you for calling in. And um, it, it, can people get your book? Is it on Amazon? Sorry. Uh, your Sorry? your book um, is is it uh, your book? Is it available on Amazon or somewhere? If someone no, wanted to no, get a copy, book, maybe I, I you know the, you have given me ID with with, with the publication of uh, Awaken the Feminine. That maybe I should try the same path. You know, um, you know the same kind of. Say, I never thought of that, you know, publishing it on Amazon, you know, through uh, what's it called again? Create you know, space. Create, yeah, create, create space. space. Yeah, 
So yeah, yeah because it doesn't cost cost anything, and then um, you know you don't have to you know you don't have to depend on a publisher because you know we we know one man's uh, you know uh, it's all so subjective um, you know uh, it, but uh, but let me at least uh, mention your website again because you do have some articles on there. Your website um, is eng dot bonus that's w i m b o n i s dot nl backslash eng dot wimbonus dot nl so people can go to your website and you do have some of the articles there in english right yeah and i do my best to translate some more so <laughs> okay well wim well, listen. I want to thank you for calling in. I know uh, it. Uh, you know, I I don't know if you have free minutes, so it, you know, I know this call probably, uh, you know, was was not inexpensive for you. So um, thank well, you for your time and for calling into the show. Well, thanks very much for being on the show. You know, it was a great honor. Well, um, you know, I, I'm I'm so glad to have met you and know you, and uh, uh, and you know, I feel like it's it's really been a win-win situation. It's been a good, uh, you know, it, it's been a good working relationship, and I I consider you a colleague. So, um, thank you so much for your work out there in the world, and let's be sure we keep in touch. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right then. Bye bye, and yeah. have a happy bye holiday. Bye. Yeah, same thing. Bye. Oh, okay. Um, well, that about does it uh, for our show tonight. Um, well, actually, again, I, I say that out of habit. It's uh, actually noontime here in California. Uh, and you've been listening uh, to Wim Bonus, as he said, you know, calling in from the Netherlands, and English is his uh, second language. But uh, I think he did a really good job getting his ideas across. Uh, but you can um, follow what we were talking about much more closely and in much more detail uh, if you do pick up uh, the new anthology, Awaken the Feminine. Um, it's available on Amazon or you can get it from me personally uh, if you contact me at karentate108 at yahoo.com. That's karentate108 at yahoo.com. Uh, and you can get a signed copy uh, if you get it from me direct. Uh, and um, Awaken the Feminine is the third anthology in what I call uh, Manifesting a New Normal series uh, because we do have to rethink everything. Um, you know, we take way too much uh, as normal that uh, we should not normalize. And I think uh, we probably see that in um, how people have normalized our, our current presidential uh, administration. Uh, when we see how we have normalized, um, you know, the state of our democracy, when we see how we have normalized uh, the state of journalism and um, you know, the, the loss of journalism as the fourth estate. Um, so I'll just mention uh, a few of the titles um, of some of the essays that's uh, in Awaken the Feminine. Uh, I have one called From Partnership to Domination. Uh, Does the corporate-owned media mark the end of the fourth estate in democracy? Uh, then Marilyn Steele has uh, The Way of the Wild Feminine, New Story of Self, New Map for the World. Um, uh, Heaven Walker, Reclaiming Aphrodite, The Power of Sisterhood. Uh, David Chandler um, has uh, Uncovering 9-11 uh, with the subtitle Dismantling Domination. Uh, we have uh, from Lauren Rain, The Question of Ma'at. Uh, Sariel Spencer writes about fear and betrayal. Um, as we've talked about today, Wim Bonus has in the beginning was The Landscape. Lauren Time, uh, How to Reboot Humanity Using the Sacred Feminine Consciousness. Uh, Tanishka, Reweaving Our Social Structures. Uh, Mary Petite, Social Action, The Goddess and the Law of Connection. Um, Paul Reed Bowen, uh, Gaia in the Age of Crisis, Toward a Theology of Collapse. Um, Preston Coyote Vargas, he writes, Decolonizing the Sacred Feminine, Challenging Exclusivity and Eurocentric Leadership in the Sacred Feminine Movement. Um, Oksana uh, Pobernaja, uh, Growing Your Branch of the Tree of Life. Uh, Joanna Silverwich, The 12-Step Recovery and the Goddess. 
Uh, Partnership and Caring Economics as an Antidote to Dismantle Domination. That's another one of mine. So anyway, there's lots of good ideas there that uh, – you know, provide a roadmap that uh, can get the juices flowing so that we start thinking about new normals instead of continuing to uh, embrace what's familiar uh, when it doesn't work. Uh, because uh, that's, you know, the natural order of things. You know, I, I liken it sometimes to an abused wife. Um, you know, she continues to stick with the, you know, the abusive husband because it's familiar. And, uh, you know, rather than making a change. Uh, and, of course, I'm using that as a metaphor. Uh, but I think that's what we're doing in this patriarchal world. You know, we just accept bad things as normal because we're familiar uh, with them, you know, we might suffer, we might be abused, we might be exploited, uh, we might be dominated, uh, but we know what to expect at least. It's better than the uncertainty of the unknown. Uh, sometimes it's less scary than trying a new path. So, uh, that all being said, uh, I want to thank you for tuning in to Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, today, and I hope you will uh, hit the follow button uh, so that you get word in your uh, email box of all the new shows. Um, with this uh, holiday season and uh, my husband and I being in transition because we are moving, um, the show schedule is a little bit erratic uh, for the next couple weeks. Uh, but if we don't have a show, uh, there's lots in the archives. You can um, check out. I'm sure there's things there you haven't had a chance to listen to. Uh, but we will be back on a weekly schedule in January. Um, so beginning uh, Wednesdays in January, I will be back every Wednesday. Um, so I would just uh, invite you to uh, enjoy the holidays. Uh, don't, uh, uh, don't put pressure on yourself. Um, and um, uh, I wish you well and your family well and uh, happiness and joy and peace and harmony uh, for the coming new year. Um, that about does it for me. I want to thank Wim Bonus uh, for calling in uh, today from the Netherlands. I know that was, uh, um, you know, quite a chore for him. Um, and, uh, you know, thank him for his time and for his contribution to the anthology Awaken the Feminine. Uh, that about does it, dear listeners. Um, We'll be back, I think, the 27th, uh, the, I think it's the Thursday after Christmas, uh, with the next show. And uh, I look forward to being back with you every week next year. All right, then. Good night.